Welcome back to another episode of the Glacier Guys podcast. I'm your host, Joey Fernandez, and this semester is going to be a little bit different uh, with uh, my co-host, Ethan Holesha, moving on to uh, bigger and better things. So this semester is just going to be me uh, chopping it up, talking some sports. You can find the podcast on all streaming platforms, uh, including the Moraine Valley Library website. Uh, So let's get right into it. we're going to start off talking about the Super Bowl today, and I mean, clearly, this is not what everyone expected, and the AFC side at least, because, I mean, obviously the Rams were decent contenders with the Bengals walking into the year. Did anyone really expect them to be here? I mean, I know I didn't. If you really think about it, I mean, they have they have the talent, they have the playmakers, they have the quarterback, they have the solid defense, but... Their offensive line is pretty lackluster, so with teams like that, it's kind of hard to find a rep- recipe for success, but it seems like they've caught lightning in a bottle. It's it's kind of crazy how fast they've just kind of hit their stride and haven't really looked back ever since. Uh, the, but the thing is with this game is the Rams are a very talented and very solid team, and they're also very well coached, so that's, that's the kind of obstacle that they're going to run into. Uh, I think... A big, a big key to this game is going to be managing Aaron Donald. I mean, obviously, but <laughs> you're going to have to run the ball and almost run the ball at him to keep him going downhill, and you can't let him pin his ears back because if he gets to a point in the game where the Rams are up by a score or two and they have to kind of throw the ball over and over again, that's when it's going to get really dangerous, especially for that offensive line. And not to mention the other guys that they have in the line, like Leonard Floyd, but... I think I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I'm just kind of scared that the Rams kind of hit their stride very quickly and that the Bengals get into the catch-up mode. With, like I said, the pass rush just pinning their ears back. I think I think that's extremely scary, uh, honestly. But I think the, the Bengals, their key is running the ball, getting it consistent early, and then shot plays with Jamar Chase, with T. Higgins, with Tyler Boyd with TJ Uzama. I don't even know if he's playing or not, but either way, I think I think that's going to be their key to the game. I think they can't they can't sit there and just be content with taking 3. I I know they have a really good kicker and and have a McPherson, the stud rookie, but I I don't think that that's going to win them the game, honestly. I I think that their defense has been solid. It's been sound. It's it's caught their momentum, uh, especially in the second half of that KC game. They shut them down pretty well. But the Rams play a different style of football. They're they're going to look to run the ball and then play action, uh, deep plays to OBJ or deep plays to Cooper Cup, or they'll just dink and dunk you down the field if you aren't going to leave that open. So it's very interesting. I think Jesse Bates is going to play a huge role especially on Tyler Higby or maybe even in the slot on Jesse Bate, I mean on Cooper Cup. Uh, I don't know. I think I think that I would have preferred to see the 49ers just personally just because I think I think that would have been a fun game seeing how their defensive line matched up with the Bengals and the Bengals defense how they matched up facing Jimmy G in that run game. So uh I mean, I I I'm having trouble picking a score for this game. I I do want the Bengals to win personally, but leaving any bias aside, I think I'm gonna go with the Rams. Uh, I I think it's just it's just too inevitable. I I think that the secondary for the Rams is gonna step up. I think 
that Aaron Donald is just going to make too much of an impact on the game personally. I think the Bengals are the team of destiny, though. So, I mean, you never know. You, nobody really thought they were going to beat the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, that game was ridiculous, by the way. But I think my final score prediction is going to be 28. Uh, yeah, 28-21 Bengals, uh, Rams over the Bengals. Uh I don't even feel great about that, but <laughs> moving on. Uh, the Bears hired uh, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus uh, to be their GM and their head coach. And I've seen I've seen some mixed reviews by fans, and I don't really understand that personally. I I think that they kind of saw the the Jim Harbaugh option out there, the Dan Quinn out there, and just the success, the previous success out of old coaches. But sometimes you kind of have to go with the new age point of view and go with more analytical-based hires. And I think I think that the McCaskey family did a great job uh, on this hiring process compared to past experiences. Like with Ryan Pace when he got hired back in 2015 and he kind of had John Fox forced on him. That's That's not the way to go about it. And this year, they've kind of took Ted Phillips out of the picture a little bit. They brought in Bill Polian to be in the committee to search for the GM, and they they got their guy. That's that's the main thing for me is that they saw their number one option and they they didn't let him leave. I mean, George going to pick him up at O'Hare was a little bit corny, I must admit. But either way, I I still think it was a great job during the hiring process, not letting him get on the plane to Minneapolis. I. And I also just enjoy the guy himself and Ryan Poles. He's a former offensive lineman. I feel like everyone's saying that. like, <laughs> But I, it's, it's worth mentioning. He was blocking for Matt Ryan in college. He gets a job right away. Uh, and then he works his way up in the Chiefs organization. Uh, he was there with three different GMs, which I think is a huge thing. Because a lot of people would like to talk about how Ryan Pace came up with one organization. And he only had one sort of philosophy that he grew up around. But with Ryan Poles, he's he saw three different kinds of styles. He saw an analytical approach, and then he saw an old-school approach with John Dorsey, and now he's seeing more of a mix with Veach. So it's 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 pretty interesting how that played out. Uh, I think I think he he impressed in the press conference. I think uh, he had a little bit where he tripped up over his words a little bit, but. Also, I, I try not to read too much into the press conferences because it's very hard to lose a press conference, especially when you're prepared on what to say and everyone's very optimistic and excited anyway. But I think he was very assertive and he made his points very strong as far as building through the draft, which everyone says. But I, I still I still like that he said it. And, and he also made a very big emphasis on uh, just being very physical, having a physical team and s- some nasty to it a little bit, you know. Uh, some guys that are going to protect Justin Fields and really aren't going to let him take any cheap shots or anything like that and really impose their will on the other team in the trenches. But overall, uh, I think I think it was a great hire. He, t- he brought in uh, Ian Cunningham, which is another former offensive lineman who's been with the Eagles in the past, along with the Ravens even before that which is two very successful organizations with two different philosophies that he can very he can provide some very good insight. And not to mention he's the first ever assistant GM in Chicago Bears history. I don't know how that's how that's never been like how 
no GM has ever got the go the the go ahead to hire one. But I'm, I'm glad the McCaskies finally caved into that, along with the permission to bring in an analytics department, which is huge. I mean, if you're if you're an organization in sports in the year 2022 and you don't have an advanced analytics department, I don't know how you expect to win anything at this point. So. That's great that they're finally moving into the right direction, along with the hiring of Matt Eberflus. Uh, this has also probably been the most contested opinion out of uh, out of Bears fans, I guess. Uh, even national media I've seen getting some hate. Uh, Matt Eberflus is the only defensive coach that has been hired this coaching cycle and probably will be the only defensive coach that's hired this this hiring cycle. So... It's it's pretty interesting how they how they decided to switch it up a little bit because he came in he was previously the Colts defensive coordinator and he he turned a top 30 defense into a top 10 defense for 4 years in a row. I mean, that's that's a proven defensive mind right there. I think you can't really deny it at all. And he's going to be switching the defense into a 4-3, which is very interesting, I think. That's his traditional defense, but he's also willing to adapt a little bit if he has to, but I think people are reading way too much into the 4-3 switch, because he he's the big, he's the the Colts were the second biggest nickel team last year, so they ran the nickels 70% of the time, which literally doesn't it doesn't, the 4-3 or 3-4 doesn't matter if you're in the nickel that much, honestly, because it takes away one of the outside linebackers and just brings in a nickel corner either way, and there's going to be four four rushers. So I don't I don't really see what the point of uh, caring that much about it is, but, I mean, people just like to complain, I guess. But I think it's a great hire. I think, I think he's going to be a very good leader of men, and I think that's what we needed. Uh, I don't think it was un- as much about the X's and O's as much as about the personality of the guy and the rally the troops kind of guy. Uh, he's kind of a no-nonsense type of coach, uh, very similar to Lovey Smith, which is a guy we had here about 10 years ago. So I think it's, uh, I think it's a great hire, honestly. I, I think he's going to instill a culture, uh, and he's not going to put up with any of the stuff that happened with the previous regime. Uh, and I think I think that's going to be a great uh, change of direction uh, as far as as far as long term success goes. And I think Ryan Pulse even giving the go ahead and naming him as one of the guys that he liked even before he got hired was a big thing, especially because he was finalist for other jobs. Both of them were, and I think it's very I think it's very impressive that they they were both able to. It wasn't even arranged marriage per se, but it was. They they both liked certain qualities in each other to feel like they could be a match without even really having that much of a relationship besides having the same agent in Trace Armstrong. But moving on, I think I think he's going to be great. He also said that he isn't going to be calling the defensive plays. And people also had some sort of reaction about that, but I really don't think it's a big deal personally because if you look at the guys he brought over, he brought over Allen Williams to be his defensive coordinator from the Colts. He brought over Dave Borganzi to be the linebackers coach, and he brought over a few other coaches, I believe, also. So I I don't really see why that's an issue. So, I mean, they know the system perfectly. They've been there with him. They've they've done everything uh, that he's that he's asked them to do. So I don't see what would change. I think I think it's better that he doesn't have a lot on his plate and he can really just lock in and and really and really uh control the locker room and uh control what's going on on the field all at once. Uh moving on, uh it, the big thing with him uh was 
was who is his offensive staff going to be? That was my biggest question mark while coming in because obviously he's a defensive coach and we have a young quarterback that is as talented as any quarterback in the league. I mean, obviously he needs development, but you you want to see who who's going to be developing that guy, who's going to be working with that guy every day, who's going to be calling the plays for that guy, you know. And uh, I I think he I think he had a slam dunk hire as the OC hiring Luke Getze, the former quarterbacks coach slash passing game coordinator for the for the Green Bay Packers. So I think I think that was a great hire, obviously, and he's he's well regarded around the league. Aaron Rodgers was preaching for him to stay, but obviously he wanted to call plays, and Matt Lafleur wouldn't let him do that. So he he moved on to better opportunities, and I'm sure he likes Justin Fields also. So I. I, I, I'm very excited. Uh, a lot of people are skeptical because, say, our offense does turn out good and, say, the Bears end up doing well, then Luke, odds are Luke Getze gets a head coaching job because that's just how it works. But if if that's the case, I think I think that's not sense for worry because if that's the case that he's good enough to get an offen- or to get a head coaching job, that means that our offense was good enough, and that means Justin Fields most likely developed into – having a relationship with the other offensive coaches uh, along with just developing on the field. So I think it won't matter as much as Luke Luke Getze is there, but hopefully he's just using us as a stepping stone and we're using him as a stepping stone at the same time almost in a way. But moving on, uh, there was rumors about us hiring Joe Brady for a while, uh, former offensive coordinator of the Panthers, but... He interviewed, and it didn't really work out, which is kind of a bummer. I wasn't very happy about that, but either way, we hired Andrew Janoko, uh, and I'm not really mad at it. Uh, he's He probably fits the style a little more. I believe he's from the Shanahan tree. Uh, he's, a, he's a solid coach. I think uh, he... Coming from the Vikings and that zone run scheme, I, I'm a big fan, but he's... He's been very solid as a quarterback's coach, I think. I mean, he hasn't really got to prove himself nearly as much as he should be, but I don't mind it at all. He has uh, previous relationships with uh, Luke Getze and everything like that, so I'm not mad at it. And then we also hired Tyke Tolbert to be our wide receivers coach slash passing game coordinator, and he has a very good reputation for developing young players and being uh, very good with the passing game, obviously. So I'm I'm excited about all the hires. I think our staff has been a slam dunk so far. I don't think there's many complaints I could have besides Joe Brady because we've gotten our number one guy at every situation besides quarterbacks coach. So, I mean, there's not really much to complain about. Like, you you like the process that they're going through. It's just whether or not it works out or not, and that's impossible to know at this point. So I feel very good about it. Uh, That's just – that's all you can really say. I mean, it's kind of a wait-and-see uh, with free agency, I think we need a wide receiver. We need a corner. We need to build up the offensive line. I mean, we need more than just a corner. We probably need two corners and maybe in a safety also. So there's some work to be done. I mean, we don't have a first-round pick this year. We only have five picks in total, I believe. So there's going to be some wheeling and dealing. I wouldn't mind a trade back just to gather some more picks, and I'd rather have more depth than just be able to find the potential of having one good player. In the, in, in the early second instead of getting maybe a th- an extra third or something like that. But, uh, I mean, in free agency, it's going to get it's gonna get a little messy, I think. Uh, they, they talked, he talked, Ryan Poles, that is, talked like they were going to be a little conservative, but I'm not really sure how serious that is or not, just because 
he might just be downplaying it just because he doesn't know the plan yet because he just got there. But it'll be interesting. I don't think they'll sign like a Devontae Adams or anything like that. But I think I could definitely see them going out and getting a Chris Godwin or a Mike Williams. Uh, but one of the cheaper options I like is DJ Shark. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, moving on, the Giants hired Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And I wanted to bring this up just because I feel like those parallels are going to continue for years to come because both of them were finals for the Bears job. And, I mean, obviously, I don't think the Giants are nearly in the same situation that we are in. I think they're, I think they're in a way less of a situation, quite frankly. But I, I think it'll be very interesting to see how that played out. I'm not as high on Brian Dable as, as many others uh, personally. But, I mean, I saw many people that wanted him to get the Bears job and I'm personally happy with where we went, but I thought it was interesting to bring up, and I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, and in other news, uh, the Raiders hired Josh McDaniels. Uh, I thought that was – if I saw Josh McDaniels ever leaving, because he, he gets paid very well for an offensive coordinator, almost head coaching money. So it, it it felt very weird thinking that he could ever leave unless it was, like, the perfect, perfect situation, like – the Pittsburgh Steelers or the New Orleans Saints or something like that. I don't know. Just like a team that was set to win. I don't know. The go coach Aaron Rodgers or something. But he he went to the Raiders. I mean, they're a big-time organization. They're one of the biggest organizations in the league. They have the high-profile owner. They always get the high-profile players and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I, don't, I think he could have gone to a better situation. I think Derek Carr is very solid as a player. They have Darren Waller. Uh, they the receiver is very weak. Obviously, they lost Henry Ruggs this year, so it's it's very interesting. Uh, their defense is okay, I guess. I mean, they're just a very scrappy team, along with just nothing very impressive about it. So I'm I'm very curious to see what intrigued him to go there. I wonder if it's the salary or or if it's just having control of the roster or what. But I, I think I think he uh, I think he'll do a good job there. I think they'll be a playoff team probably next year if I had to guess. Moving on to uh some Bulls or some NBA in general. Uh the Bulls are kind of I don't know. They they lack the juice right now, if you know what I mean. They they haven't seemed to have some sort of pep in their step lately. It's just can kind of been like walking in quicksand. Like they're kind of there but they're kind of slowly sinking like lower and lower. Which sucks. It really sucks. I I think it partly attributed to the injuries especially, but it's kind of it it kinda it, it's hard to see. I know they're first in the West still, but it's very tight. Like it's it <laughs> they could easily lose like two or three in a row and they'll be in the fifth or sixth seed. So it's it's getting kind of scary. Uh, I think they're kind of limping into the all-star break a little bit, and it really couldn't come soon enough. Uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see what happens uh, if Lonzo comes back and Patrick Williams and maybe even Caruso and all that and see see what could happen in the playoffs. But it really depends on where we fall as far as seeding goes because of the injuries. Uh, I think Lonzo, Lonzo being hurt kind of hurts the dynamic of the team a lot as far as far as the sh- uh, distributing the ball goes and stuff like that i feel like it the rock doesn't move enough you know with kobe white and io on the floor instead it's just they're just not as natural passers i mean not many people are as natural passers as alonzo ball but it's it's very it's very hindering to the team but i want to give credit to uh io de sumo for sure uh just because he's 
he's performed way over expectations. Obviously, he was a second-round pick coming out of Illinois. He was a high-profile player in college, but his stock kind of dropped a little bit, and he went from being like a lottery pick projected to falling to the second round. And it's proven to be a mistake for other teams, honestly. Uh, he's been one of the best on-ball defenders in the NBA, along with shooting a great percentage. Uh, he's shooting 52% from the field, averaging 7.8 points per game, and shooting 42% from three. Uh, I mean, that's very solid. Uh, obviously, his free throws could get a little better. and uh, But besides that, I mean, I feel I feel very good about the pick. I think I think he'd become a, a very solid role player, um, maybe even more one day. But I think he, he can become a very solid starting point guard that many teams would like to have on their team. So, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, AK decided to make a move like that. Uh, he's uh, showing his, his draft prowess already with us. And I'm excited to see what happens with them, but... It's kind of wait-and-see mode to see what happens with the injuries. Uh, they play tonight against the Pacers, and uh, that'll be a big game because they're currently tied with the Heat, and they have some tough games coming up with the Sixers and the Suns after that. So it would be nice to win this game, especially with the tough loss in overtime last night. Uh, that was the first time they went to overtime actually all year, which is kind of surprising, but I guess DeMar DeRozan doesn't really let it go to overtime very much. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... We'll we'll be talking about it more so later on, but for now, uh, hopefully they hold on to number one in the East. Uh, moving on to some baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball is just kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on with baseball. It just doesn't really seem to be moving much. Uh, the owners just know they have all the leverage, and the players are just uh, holding on desperately to try to find some sort of way around it and to get them to somewhat cave in at least like halfway or something like that but they're not giving in to anything and they're just kind of standing with their original offers and they're just kind of like well this is how it's got to go like because <laughs> they they own the teams they have more money they they can afford not to play obviously they wouldn't like it very much but the players are the ones in in the minority here because 70 percent of the players are making five hundred thousand dollars and not even counting like taxes and everything like that so it's some of them are itching to play and they kind of have to give in eventually because you can't really miss any time or it's going to cut into that so and you won't be prepared for the season so it's it's kind of tough uh major league baseball requested a a offer today to have a federal mediator try to bridge the large gap but the union, the union, uh, is likely to ex- is unlikely to accept it. So, it's it's kind of a tough situation. It's because in uh, 1994 they they kind of went through the same process and they weren't able to settle it either. So, it's kind of like why even do that if it's just gonna if it's not gonna work out either way. So, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. I think I think they do play. Uh, I think they they end up do figuring it out, and they miss probably like a week or two of spring training. But it still sucks because the free agents sitting there right now probably wish they signed in December or in November. That is, because this is kind of like what do you what are you gonna do? You know, because they're they're not gonna be able to sign with a team like on the first day because they haven't been ta- they haven't been talking to the team, so they might have to settle for some money that they don't want to take. Especially a guy like Michael Conforto who might have to take a one year deal now, especially because they he doesn't it's very uncertain and a lot of teams are probably have a lot of uncertainty too with their plans and what they want to do but I'm hoping the White Sox can snatch him up but 
that's a that's a that's a talk for another day. Uh, that wraps up this episode of the Glacier Guys podcast. You can act- access it on Apple Music, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Moraine Valley Library website. Thank you, and peace.